mindfulness it's a um, topic that you've no doubt have heard about in, in recent years a very popular topic um, certainly in the world at the moment mindfulness the, the, the hectic nature I think of, of life has caused people to to see mindfulness as a sort of solution to um, stress and anxiety and success all that kind of stuff um, so we're going to look at mindfulness uh, this morning from obviously from a from a biblical biblical perspective perspective and um, I kind of following on a little bit from last week because it kind of left you in the lurch a bit with we were talking about you know loving the world and and uh, loving God and loving our, our brothers and sisters and it's all well and good to say that but we also need sort of some instruction as to how not to to love the world um, so hopefully this will help as well but yeah we're, we're going to talk about mindfulness um, and I'll be going through a few different passages but um, I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6 reading from verse 6 and this is uh, Paul he's writing to the to the Corinthians who um, were kind of a bit puffed up in themselves you know they were they were kind of full of, of their own knowledge and you know they thought they were great and, and really it's different different teachers some who you know they seem to be very eloquent teachers um, and they were saying oh you know I'm of this teacher and the others were there were factions developing I'm of one teacher I'm of Paul I'm of Apollos or I'm of, of Cephas or Cephas and so they were all getting puffed up in, in sort of their associations with these different teachers and, and how much they knew. And uh, so this little passage here just talks about spiritual wisdom. Paul is addressing them. Paul says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned 
But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Father, we pray that you would just give us the mind of Christ now as, as we uh, just pour over your word. Illuminate our mind, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the mind of Christ is not a great aspiration for us to have the mind of Christ. Wouldn't it be great to have the mind of Christ? To think exactly the way Jesus thinks. To have the insights that Jesus had. The perceptions that Jesus had. The thoughts that Jesus had. Wouldn't it be great to have the mind of Christ? To get a, a lobotomy, isn't that what they, they, they do? Or I don't know what they have a brain transplant. Imagine you got a brain transplant and you had your brain taken out and, and the mind of Christ was put in, in, in its place. What would, the, what would the change be in your life if you had a new, not just a new heart, but you know, uh, the Bible talks about having a new heart. But if God gave you a new brain and gave you the mind of Christ, it would be something else. I know it sounds a bit, bit sort of like Frankenstein or something, but, but I think you, you get the, 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 the meaning of it. If we had the mind of Jesus, the mind of Christ. Well, good news is, Paul says, we have it. We don't need it. We don't need another operation. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Praise God. Praise God, we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12, verse 2, a very familiar verse, <clears throat> says, Do not be conformed to this world. In some verse, versions it says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and, and the perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So there's a contrast there, isn't there? Being conformed and being transformed. And the world, as we talked about last week, the world is a very strong influence and it wants to conform. It wants to conform us to the world. So we're not of the world, but the world wants to conform us to the world. And there's, to be honest with you, conforming is pretty easy, isn't it? Conforming, you know, you just go along with the flow. You don't have to do, there's not too much effort involved, not too much manual effort. But transformation, being transformed, requires um, effort. It requires a conscious decision. And Paul, writing to the Romans, said, don't be conformed, but be transformed. And how are we to be transformed? By the renewing of our mind. The renewing of our mind.
So we have the mind of Christ, but yet we need it to be renewed, that we may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Our mind is critical. It's an act of worship. We worship God. We think we worship God with our emotions and our mouths and what we do. We worship God also with our mind. With our mind. Romans 8.5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. So God wants to give us life and he wants to give us peace. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life in all its fullness. Mindfulness, if you want. God wants our mind to be conformed to him, to the mind of Christ, not to the patterns of this world. So we conform to the mind of Christ and in that way we will have life and peace, life and peace in all its fullness. That's mindfulness in, in, in a biblical, biblical sense. But the, 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 the pre preceding part of that verse says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the thief wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your life. So the mind is so important. We are, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's so true about us in so many aspects, but no more so than our, our mind and our brain. I mean, the, all the brains of the world, so to speak, cannot understand the human brain. It's one, one tenth of it. There's so much mystery involved in the, in, in the brain. There's so much potential in the brain that we, we haven't tapped into. But God has given us an amazing brain. An amazing brain. And it's so much potential. But obviously it's got potential for good or potential for, for evil. And we do live in an increasingly frenetic world that vies for attention and increasingly seeks to conform us to this world. Did you know that you have on average 6,000 thoughts a, a day? 6,000. Probably some, some of you are thinking, gee, I thought I had more than that. <laughs> 6,000 thoughts a day. So that's about one every five seconds you've got a new thought. Imagine that. Now a lot of the thoughts are, are probably, you know, very inconsequential and, you know, uh, not, not much to write home about it either way and the devil isn't too concerned about them but obviously there are thoughts that can be good and the thoughts that can be that can be harmful but the brain it's an amazing it's an amazing uh, piece of engineering and that's what it is a piece of engineering 
Um, and we, we see even at, at, at nighttime in our dreams how the brain is still working and it's processing. You know these computers, they, they, they're, computers are built to, to optimize in the memory of the computer. The brain is processing our memories. That's why we need a good sleep. Because the brain is processing through our dreams. It's processing our memories. I woke up this morning about half five and I had a, what I thought was an amazing dream. Um, and actually, I, at the end of it, it was like I was watching a, a film. In the dream, I was watching a film, and it was an amazing film. And I, I just woke up. It was terrible that I woke up just when they were getting to a really good bit in the film. But there was one aspect. You know when you wake up from a dream, you, you can remember quite a lot. But if you don't wake up straight up, you, you, you don't remember a thing. Um, but it's amazing how the, how, how the brain is working. But in that dream, there was a person in it uh, she, she used to be a journalist, but she's a significant uh, sort of political figure at the moment. And she made an appearance in a dream, and there was something about her that was very important. And I woke up, and I, and I was trying to work out, I was actually on, in the dream, on, looking on the internet to see what was, what was a, this person, what was so important about this person. And I couldn't remember, but when I woke up, I remembered what, it, what was the important thing. But that's, that's beside the point. The point is that I, I read this thing about this person about a month ago. And my brain was now, obviously, it was processing it. Something I, I'd, I'd read a month ago, and because I was, I was getting a good sleep, it was processing it. So the brain, is, it's just an amazing, amazing um, piece of engineering, um, amazing invention, if you're a piece of creation. Uh, by, by God. However, um, we also know that there's, in, in, in recent days in particular, uh, we've got technology has come to try and um, get the attention of our brains uh, increasingly, and, and we don't have to look very far. Um, to, to, to see one of the main culprits. <laughs> um, and we're all, I think, we're all guilty to a greater or lesser extent um, of, of, of spending too much time on the phone. But what's interesting is that scientists are now discovering, and it's, it's hardly earth-shattering news, that the phone and the internet, but in particular the phone, is having an effect on our brains. It's, it's particularly having an effect on children's brains because they're in an early form of development and you know parents are just giving them their devices or whatever to, to keep them quiet but it's having an effect on the brain but it's it's having an effect on young and old people's brains and one one aspect in particular it's rewiring the, the brain but one aspect in particular is it's making us lazy thinkers research has shown that we're becoming lazy thinkers to our attention span has decreased. We can't concentrate on something as long. I now know that for certain that is true of me. I can't concentrate on lo as long on a topic. Um, I can't give my attention as much, but I'm, I'm off thinking somewhere. Okay? And that's, that's a, psych a psychological but a physiological result of looking at, at the screen too much, getting an instant response. And we think in many ways that through this phone, this phone is going to 
it's like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We're, we're going to get to know so much from this. We get knowledge of good and evil. We know all things, and there's nothing you can't find out, um, or so we think, through, through these phones. And it's instant. Instagram. The hint is in the name. Instagram. Snapchat. Straight away. We're getting stuff straight away. Um, but at, at what cost? At what cost are we getting uh, these instant um, messages, instant information, in, instant knowledge? Are we getting any, any wisdom at all? Just going back to the, the passage. Um, <clears throat> verse 10, God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. The spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. God is obviously so deep and he wants to reveal himself to us the deep things of God through his spirit, not through uh, the, the internet. As many of you are aware, I'm sure all of you are aware at the moment, in um, the Ukraine, there is a very sort of perilous situation in the Ukraine at the moment. And it reminds us of the... Um, when Jesus spoke to the disciples about the end, end days where there, there would be wars and rumors of wars. And certainly uh, there's a rumor of war and uh, there may end up being a war. We don't know yet. And it's hard to know what's going on depending on, <coughs> on, on, on who you believe and, and what you read on the internet. Um, but there's no doubt that one of the main reasons that Ukraine is so important and it's uh, of such interest both to Russia and to the West shall we say is its strategic place where it is this the strategic place that Ukraine is um, in Europe and and the sort of near near Asia as well it's a very strategic point and if you get Ukraine well then that opens up a lot of opportunities or if you keep Russia out of Ukraine, that might, you know, uh, keep the, the, the encroachment of the East onto the West and all that sort of stuff. Without going into the politics of it, the, the point is that it's, it's not just, they're not just interested in Ukraine for the sake of the, the land mass that is there. They're interested in it because it's a very strategic place in terms of conquest, in terms of political, sort of the geopolitical uh, picture. The same can be said of our mind. The same can be said of our mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Again, a very familiar passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. <clears throat> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our war are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So our mind is a battlefield. Our mind is a battlefield. And we need to understand the strategic importance of our mind for our spiritual well-being. We need to protect our mind with the same vigilance, if you like, that um, the countries want to protect Ukraine. We need to understand that the devil has pinpointed our mind as an area of strategic importance. If we go back to that, the original passage, no eye has heard, no eye has seen, no mind, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived. That's the that's NIV version. Um, no, no mind has conceived. It has not entered into the heart of man, is the King James Version. In the new NIV version, it is no mind has conceived. In other versions, it is no, nobody has imagined. So there's a connection there between our mind and, and our heart. If a thought comes into our mind, where is it going to go next? It's going to be conceived and come into our heart, enter into the heart of man. And that is why our mind is so important. It's not just about what we think intellectually, it has an impact ultimately on our heart. We read in, in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the helmet of salvation, take up the shield of faith against the fiery darts of the wicked one. The devil wants to attack our mind. We need to be vigilant, we need to be sober in protecting our mind. It's quite simple. Are you having struggles with your mind? Are you getting lots of thoughts into your mind? I know I do all the time. I was talking to somebody recently about this. In the middle of the night I'd wake up and be on, on the bed. I don't know if you ever get that. You're on, on your bed and you, you just, every, every thought is coming into your mind. And it's very hard, isn't it, to take your thoughts captive when, when your thoughts are racing. It's very hard to take them captive, isn't it? What I, what I do sometimes, sometimes I just, I'm so tired, I just lay there and let the thoughts, you know, infiltrate uh, my stronghold, so to speak. But sometimes I just get up in the middle of the night and I go down and I pray. I'm learning that more, that God is saying, if you're starting to think in all these things, get up and pray, okay? 
and and it, it does it works it works wonders it works absolute wonders and we do think that we have no control it feels like we've no control over our mind doesn't it sometimes it's just the thoughts are just so all over the place um, we've no control but that is not the case because Paul commands the Corinthians to take captive these thoughts and put them, bring them under subject, under into subjection. Sorry, under subjection to the to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ. That is an act of worship. To take your thoughts captive and, and put them subject to the obedience of Christ. Paul writing to the Philippians again, another very familiar passage. <clears throat> Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things meditate on these things that is christian meditation to meditate on things that are true noble just pure lovely of good report any virtue meditate on these things so god he does not call us his commands are not burdensome he does not call us to um, come out from the world not to conform to the patterns of the world without giving us an option he says be transformed by the renewing of your mind Psalm 1 again a very familiar passage and I'm, I'm conscious I've probably spoken about this to some extent before but our mind our mind needs to be reminded we need to be reminded constantly um, of this, this truth. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the, the, the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper to meditate on the word of god day and night and i can assure you and i can speak from bitter experience if i'm looking at my phone or i'm looking at the internet too much my capacity not even my time my capacity to meditate on anything it's going to be pretty low now God has you know we, if, if we're disciplined you know we can get great blessing from 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 technology you know we all know that but the truth is we're, we're usually not very disciplined and that's why the psalmist here says you need to be in the morning and it says the day but I take that as the morning especially if you're working during the day in the morning and in the evening to meditate on the Word of God to ponder on it not to be a lazy thinker 
not just to read it and head off, to ponder on it. And we need to train our brain. Our brain gets rewired, I'm sure, in the God's goodness and his grace and mercy, he can unrewire it and, and, and put it back together because we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And God wants to reveal to us the mysteries, the mysteries of God, the mind of the Lord. He wants to reveal that to us, but we need to meditate on his word. We need to be disciplined and meditate on his word. And then we will prosper in due season. We will bear fruit in due season. Transformation takes time. Transformation takes time. If you start doing this, you start taking this medicine, so to speak, you won't necessarily see the fruits of it straight away. But in due season, you will. In due season, you will. If inwardly you're becoming more disciplined, in due season, you will see a transformation. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. What an amazing verse. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. One of the best decisions I, I ever made <laughs> was about 20 years ago. Um, I was going to, I would come up to Mulhuddert uh, to view a house in, in uh, Castle Curra. And we were way down in the waiting list, about 250, that was 250 down in the waiting list. And a friend of mine, he was the same. And we were just come, coming up just to kind of look at the house. We never thought we'd, we'd actually get a house because we were so far down the waiting list. Uh, the agent said, pick your house. So you join the queue and pick your house. So we were in a queue. There we go. We're gonna, we could buy a house there and then. And we came up, after about an hour queuing, we came up and we were shown the plans of, of the house of the, of the estate, should I say, and we're told, now put a sticker down on the house that you want. 20-something, oh, oh, great, oh. <laughs> uh, put a sticker down on the house that you want. And I was about to put, you know, just put a sticker down on any old house. They all look the same from the plan. And I just remembered something, something about south-facing, south-facing. My garden, make sure the garden is south-facing. And I looked and I said, okay, see north, okay. And I put it on a south-facing garden. And it made all the difference. So we, in the kitchen now, there's you know, sunshine, I won't say 24-7, but you, you get the picture. The garden is, it's, it's sunny most of the time. If we meditate on, on, on the word of God, we get his light. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. You have a south-facing dwelling. You have it already. Now sometimes we're in the front room of our house and it's not south-facing. That's the downside of a south-facing garden. The front, the front room is, is quite dark. Okay? It's, it's dark. And no matter what you do, it's going to be dark. You can paint it bright. It's not the same as the natural light of a south-facing um, kitchen and south-facing garden. But maybe you feel in your life, and, and it, particularly people who suffer from depression, 
They feel darkness. They feel, they don't, there's not much light going on there. There's not much light going on. You live in a south-facing house that faces the sun. But you, you may be dwelling in the room that is north-facing with the darkness. And God gives us um, a recipe here for that light, is to meditate on him. In some cases, it's, it can be quite easy. There's some, like, pulling up the blinds. Stuff like putting on Christian music, Christian worship music in your house during the day. Putting on the word of God on the internet during the day. Just the word of God. As you're going around doing your, your, your daily chores or whatever. Um, can bring light in. But it may also mean you have to move from the room that you're in, the front room that you're in, the north facing front room. You're doing something and you're going to have to sacrifice. If I want the light, I have to go into the other room. That's south facing. I have to meditate on the Word of God. And the amazing thing is, is it's, you know, if you ever watch these programs, um, you know, transforming your your house and your man uh, Dermot Bannon and he's he's always on about isn't he you know natural light you have to get the natural light but the thing is it's true if you get the natural light in a, a room is is transformed it's transformed right and that's what God wants to do it, it doesn't mean that the furniture miraculously changes in your in your kitchen or whatever room it is you're in it doesn't change your circumstances won't necessarily change when the light comes in. But you will see your circumstances in a new light, so to speak. You will see them in a new light. It might also show up some dirt that you have to clean up. But it's an inspiration. And when that light comes in, it's an inspiration. And maybe it's an inspiration for you to do up your, your, your room or whatever. When the light comes in. In a dark room, you don't have that same inspiration. So it mightn't change your circumstance, but it will change your outlook. And it will change your response. I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in, in darkness. God doesn't want us to conform to the patterns of this world. He wants us to be transformed like those houses, those rooms, by the renewing of our mind. That we might have the mind of Christ. So if you are, if you are struggling, and I know a lot of us do struggle uh, with, our, with, our, with our thought life, meditate in the morning, meditate at night, be disciplined with your, with your phone. And I, I really am speaking to myself about, about this. And I do say to Aubrey, you know, take the phone off to me at, at six in the evening. I'm not always good at, at doing that. But I do know that's how God wants to speak to us when we are meditating on his word. That's how he's going to transform our mind, or renew our mind, and it's going to, how he can transform our life. Because the devil knows that is the battleground. 
6,000 thoughts, it's a lot to take captive. <laughs> we can't take them all captive. But if we put in the right principles, we won't need to take it. There won't be so many of them that will be coming against us. A lot of them will be positive. They will be no, noble, praiseworthy, excellent. We'll be thinking of such things. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word, um, your transforming word, Lord. Um, your word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet, Lord. Your word, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, um, if there are areas of darkness in our mind, areas of darkness, Lord, that you will illuminate them with your light, Lord. You will change your perspective. And Father, Father, we would know the mind of Christ. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.